Mostly Awesome, a podcast about the wins and fails of innovators. Brought to you by CDTM in Munich. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Mostly Awesome. This time we welcome Laura Lewandowski to our show. She's not only a Forbes 30 and a 30 journalist writing for Business Insider Germany, but also a podcast host of Innovator Sessions and a storytelling advisor for companies like Google, Facebook or Uber. And now we're super pumped to hear from Laura about how she initiates, develops and starts successful formats and projects with top companies and what surprising insights she learned from her podcast guests. Furthermore, we learn from her how to combat creative blocks and what makes good content in her opinion. And last but not least, she shares her productivity hacks such as Sunday check-ins, the zero inbox principle and how she developed an essentialist mindset. So let's jump right in. Hi, Laura. Welcome on our show, Mostly Awesome. You are not only a podcast host for Red Bull, but you also have just recently launched your own YouTube format called Media Mentor. And you have your own column for Business Insider called Self-Optimized. How do you self-optimize your day and yourself? Yes, thank you so much, uh, ladies, for being on the show. And I really appreciate your time, first of all. The funny thing is that people always ask me how I optimize my day and um, <laughs> if I have some tips to share. But the truth is, the less I started optimizing, the better it is. So what really matters for me now, after really testing so many tools, is to have a good routine and really stick to it and do less instead of optimizing everything. I think doing less is the best optimization tool you can have and really focus on the most single important task of the day. Mm -hmm. Now, you made me curious about your routine. How is it specifically set up? So I wake up quite early, around six. 30, then I immediately do a workout. This is super important for me. If I don't do my workout, I don't really feel that it was a good day. Mm -hmm. And currently we are in South Africa, so um, we have a good um, weather and it's very sunny outside, which makes it much more easy. But even in the lockdown in Germany in wintertime, I really put on my running shoes the first thing in the morning and, and just go and don't really think about it. Mostly during my runs, I also stay updated and I listen to podcasts or the news from time to time. And I have a good cappuccino mm -hmm. with oat milk. I love that. <laughs> This is also a very important <laughs> part of the day or, or a matcha because I Agreed. try to switch coffee to more matcha in the morning, which is better for my stomach. Then when I come back, it's around like nine o'clock and I do my mails and then I start in the day and I really try not to overwork what I tended to do because I feel if I maybe work less in a day, I am much more productive in the long term. So that means my batteries are not empty after three weeks and I have to recharge them fully. So I really have a, a lot of energy for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. 
And I also feel much more energized if I rest more and I feel that I'm not in a constant hustle because I've been there. I don't want to go back there. And I go to sleep very early, so around 9.30. And the last time we spoke, you said that you also structure your day around a yeah, task that makes you happy, so you can call it a good day. Would you say this is basically right now your routine? So doing your sports in the morning, drinking your matcha... Yeah, absolutely. So the routine I was just talking about, this is non-negotiable for me. And I just do it without thinking about it. And I think this is the good thing about a routine that you don't think about it. And just thinking about something really takes so much energy and you always have to reevaluate, does it make sense or not? So instead of just thinking about it, you do it. Another thing that I do, and you just mentioned it already, mm. is that I structure my day around the most important task I have to do or I'd love to do because it makes me happy and I do these kind of check-ins on Sunday evenings when I plan my week I usually write down three things but I really identify the most important one that makes mm -hmm. me happy that could be okay I definitely want to make this pitch deck ready this week because I know that this will give me so much gratification Or it could also be, I definitely have to write a letter to my grandmother because I know that she is waiting in lockdown for some sign of me. And I know that it would make her so, so happy. And then I also know that it makes me happy. So you always have to find a balance between these really business talks or to-dos mm -hmm. and the private life um, and yeah the things that are really good for your heart because this also <laughs> makes you a good entrepreneur and not just only a machine and these small exercise i'd call it i do it every single evening as well before i go to bed really check in with myself and try to identify the most important or the most fulfilling to do for the next day And you mentioned that mm. doing less is the best optimization tool for you. I know that you're also a big fan of the book Essentialism by Greg McKean. Would you call yourself an essentialist yet? I'd love to call myself an essentialist one day, but I'm definitely still on the journey. And uh, you're completely right. I love that book. And you know why I love that book so much is that I read about it or I found out about it because I had this pain, you know, I had this pain that I was doing so much. And I felt like, okay, even though you quit your job in a permanent position where other people told you what to do, you never found peace. And now you're by your own and you still don't find peace. So how come? And is this really what life is all about? And I felt kind of empty at some point because I had all these achievements and I got awards and I got so much recognition from outside but what all this recognition when yourself feels lonely and empty at some point and I think that resonates with a lot of people in the business industry or many entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who really operate at a high scale and really perform every day and they get so much applause but again you really have to identify what I said in the beginning, what's what's really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And the principle of essentialism is also about this. What is this mm -hmm. 
thing that you really want to address and achieve? What's the mission you're following? And this is a super, super hard question. But I think if you realize and understand that you're the only person who can ask this question seriously, and then every single decision you take in life can lead to that answer. And now I have that question in my mind and it makes it so much more easy to say no to other things because I know that I'm on this quest and I know that there are so many things that really can distract me and I really try to make it less distraction and focus. And that doesn't mean to stand still. It's quite the opposite. You achieve so much more instead of really get wasted and, and put 10% of energy in this project and 10 in this and 10 in this. You you rather put 80% in one thing and have a much bigger output at a very faster pace. But at the same time, you still feel in a good shape. You have time for your friends, your family. I mean, they're always up and downs. And I think definitely this is also kind of an illusion to have it all perfect. But understanding that this could be is definitely the first step. Mm -hmm. You already mentioned Meet Your Mentor, which perfectly leads us to our second thematic blog today, which is about your podcasting. You are hosting and moderating the podcast innovator sessions. So tell us, how did you arrive at this position? It came to me, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Before I dive into your question, I want to okay. share a principle that really matters to me. Because I think the things you really want in your life, you don't have to fight for it. And it was always the case that all the good jobs, all the great projects, no matter if it was Google or Facebook or all the big companies I was consulting, all the projects came to me. And this sounds maybe ridiculous, but I think the success is a part of a good feeling and law of attraction and good preparation. And the thing... Red Bull was basically the same because of course I was always active on social media of course I was always pitching myself and talking about what I do and what I love and um, I had the column on Business Insider and I went straight forward to Business Insider mm -hmm. and I requested it I said guys I want this column so obviously I was already in the field of self-optimization and in this whole self-reflection mm -hmm. topic And another important thing is really nourish and um, stay connected with the people you get to know in your career. And I've done that all my life. So when I started at the German press agency, I never really had a strategy. And I had no clue where I was going to at some point, but I was always in touch with them. And all the people, I'm not kidding, all the people I met in my career, I emailed them immediately. I'm always checking with, um, in with them after six months, after two years. We know each other for such a long time. And it was the same with online marketing rock stars. Mm -hmm. They have the pod stars company basically doing the completely podcast world of OMR. And Red Bull mm -hmm. is one of their clients. And I was always in touch with the guys. And then they addressed me and told me, hey, Red Bull is looking for a host. And we suggested you. Are you actually interested? And I was like, okay, give me the concept. I will have a look at it. And it was actually the perfect match. Mm -hmm. And this is how everything happened. It, I really never forced it. But again, it's always preparation mm -hmm. and law of attraction. And this law of attraction happens when you have this thought in your head and you're obsessed with a feeling and a mission and you have that deep down inside of you. You talk to people differently. You see things differently. 
differently. You make different decisions. And I think that's the first step to success in every way and every channel. And I mean, nourishing a network is quite time consuming. How do you keep an overview with whom to follow up soon? Do you have a personal CRM mm -hmm. tool to track this? Yeah, so definitely the most important tool is my brain. And I think my brain is very well trained because it's working like an Excel uh, sheet. I honestly, sometimes I'm lying in my bed in the evening mm -hmm. and then I'm like, oh, I have to text this person and I never forget it. Honestly, maybe it's a week mm -hmm. later or two weeks, but at some point I definitely will remember it when it was important. And the other thing is mm -hmm. that I always email myself my to-dos so when the email is not deleted, it's a must-do. And when I don't do it now, so it's called the zero inbox principle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard about it. It's a good um, advice a friend of mine gave me. So you don't have all this paperwork or 500 different apps where you write down all your notes and your to-dos, mm -hmm. but instead every single thing you have to do, you just email it to yourself. And when you can't um, execute it or do it right now then you're gonna resend it until it's done and when it shows up every single week you know mm -hmm. fuck my life i just want to have a zero inbox and this is also my goal every week so i always want to be on zero with my emails and two years ago i was always on 2000 because i never deleted them right but your inbox is like your brain and when your inbox is empty you know okay now i can relax and if there is a single to do, you have to do, or re that reminds you, okay, shit, I again forgot to follow up on blah, blah, blah. Then at some point you're so annoyed you're going to do it. Now, coming back to podcasting, you just recently launched your own YouTube format, Meet Your Mentor, where you already welcomed big names like Vladimir Klitschko, Tony Garn, Nico Rosberg, or Jay Shetty. What is your strategy for getting these top-notch personalities on board for your show? Yeah, I mean, the secret about it, I guess, for everyone starting something like this without having a big name in the background is find allies. And in my case, I was super happy to have support from Business Punk and Business Insider because even though um, the Media Mentor experience is, a show that is not from Business Insider or Business Punk, they allowed me to feature everything on their channels. And I'm really, really grateful that I have these good connections to buy partners. So we could uh, text all these mentors and telling them we want to have you for the Media Mentor Show. Definitely the topic itself was also very powerful for them because it was all about well-being and performance we can get to that in in a bit but focusing on your questions we could address all our mentors with a strong reach and i think this insider itself is very well connected and has over 21 million visitors in germany alone so yes and and added that with business punk mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very attractive mm -hmm. to them. You already mentioned Meet Your Mentor, which perfectly leads us to our second thematic blog today, which is about your podcasting. You are hosting and moderating the podcast innovator sessions. So tell us, how did you arrive at this position? Um, that's a very good question. Maybe the most surprising fact is mm -hmm. that all of them are so successful, but just so easygoing and humble. Mm -hmm. And 
whenever you or whenever I was in touch with them and we were connected on Zoom and via video, it was like I was talking to friends wow. and they were so cool and yeah, I mean, you had this feeling of it's just a normal human being with a great mind and in the end of the day we are all on a mission and we cannot support each other and even though these are all big names I felt a deep understanding on the other side and yeah it, it was really they were so open for this topic and they said so many beautiful words I mean I remember for instance Wim Hof who said you're exactly on the place you need to be. And I definitely want to support you on your journey. And I was like, okay, wow, this is Wim Hof talking to me. And yeah, I think this is one of the most surprising facts. And to me, there is no question or no doubt that this topic is just so important. And yeah, we are, we are definitely on the right track. And where do you see Meet Your Mentor going in the future? And how do you specifically want to build the next leader generation? Yeah, so this is also a good question. I thought about a lot last year because we started this podcast or actually it's still a YouTube series to be frankly open with you. And mm -hmm. um, we started it and we had not this super business pitch deck. And this is how Meet Your Mentor looks like but because we just wanted it to start because we love these topics and the people so much mm. and now after seeing the great great feedback from the mentors themselves and also from our audience mm -hmm. we had this burning question okay what's the bigger picture and mm. we have that bigger picture now and I'm really happy to talk about it because um, my dream was always to launch a magazine at some point mm. and really bring all this content to the next level and mm. maybe you know founder from the Australian founder magazine and I think what they're doing mm, yeah I love it yeah me too and what they are doing is actually great because they are really addressing founders with, with all the founder advice and um, having all this very approachable and actionable micro steps in form of an online um, course or different courses um, in the background and I think this is a very attractive model so we are thinking about a magazine and the online education platform in the background so that you have a mix of media and um, education company. Um, mm -hmm. And what I personally, personally love a lot is the idea of a club and a more private focused network as well. Because I said it already, mm -hmm. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with social media. It's very powerful. It definitely mm -hmm. can have a positive impact on, on businesses. And of course, I benefited a lot from it. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. we are so overloaded with content that we can't distinguish, no matter how hard we try, the good content from the maybe not so useful content. And a private club or a network mm -hmm. would enable people really to dig into it and really take advantage of all these good advices and to really build a next leader generation mm -hmm. it takes more than just having a nice instagram profile or linkedin profile i really want um, people to foster good human connections and really interact with each other and really 
start a movement together and feel like they're a tribe, you know, people, we are always looking for like-minded people. And where do you find all these people? You can definitely go on Instagram, but to really feel, oh, these are people that understand me. And this is not this 90, 90 mindset I had maybe from my former boss, or this is a person that really is interested in exploring different things and i'm talking about psychedelics for instance right so if you go to silicon valley and you read articles on vice for instance they are all like this is ayahuasca this is lsd or people are doing microdosing and um, would you discuss this on instagram now because it's maybe a still very sensitive topic but these are the topics i also want to address i want to talk about maybe not so comfortable topic um, comfortable um, topics and i know that a lot of topics topics need a sacred space to really start a good feeling and make it more useful for the people yeah definitely uh, the last version yes and also again i mean we are here totally open if you have feedback and again exchange ideas what would you expect i mean you are the next leader generation so, so happy to discuss about this. Now, we also recently had you here at CDTM on a branding elective, where you have been one of our expert input lecturers on self-branding. And one quote of you really stuck with me since then. In particular, you said, be persistent. Good content will always succeed. Bad content may succeed in terms of algorithm, but not in terms of people's perception. So playing it back to you, what makes good content for you? Uh, yeah, very good question. I think, first of all, what makes good content is that it's a unique content and that you don't copy something from other people. I mean, if I go on social media and I see all these uh, motivation coaches, this is honestly more or less or so many times it's just the same. And at some point, we don't always have to reinvent the whole wheel or the world, but people try or tend to just copy-paste uh, things they have seen somewhere else and this is performing well, and then they just try to put it in their own words. But the problem mostly is that people are scared to really put out their opinion because if you maybe have a different opinion from others, then you run in this risk to not be liked from other people right and what makes good content is just use your brain don't be like anyone else just put your own juice in it and sit down and instead of putting quantity content give quality content maybe talk to people or do some research and make it it's your own story and put your own story in it and your own feelings and i think Good story always have three different components. So first of all, it's empathy. People can resonate with you. This is very, very important. Authenticity, very important as well. You're not telling lies or something to please people because it will always be revealed. And of course, you always um, have to be a good storyteller in terms of making it a highlight to listen to you. And this is what makes good stories. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that many people tend to just copy-paste what is already out there. I mean, this contributes to the fact that we're just so over-exaggerated on social media. And I don't know if you heard about it, but the luxury brand Bottega Veneta made 
a really bold move beginning of the year as they went dark on social media, deleting all profiles on various platforms. And yeah, this obviously created a big buzz even beyond the fashion cosmos. What do you think about that move? Will we see an even bigger shift to offline formats in the future because of that content oversaturation? It's so important and it's actually so funny to talk about this topic because what happened with Bottega Veneta, this is something, I mean, I already mentioned it before in my previous uh, words. This is my feeling. People are tired of it. And I'm telling you something. It's not only social media. When I look at myself, right, when I actually reflect my shopping behavior, different, same story. But I hate malls. I hate Amazon. I hate going in this massive, I don't know, consumer paradise. Same with social media. I'm tired of it sometimes. It's so overloaded. It's not deep. It's not really inspiring me. And when I'm talking about essentialism, what matters to me is probably only one thing a day. My brain can only really talk about one profound thing a day and not about 500 articles. Do you know if, if, do you remember every single word of 500 articles you read? No, but it gives you such a good feeling of knowing something when you only maybe read three articles right and talking about my private uh, club idea it it refers to the same move that Bottega Veneta did and I also right recently dreamed about it you might laugh now to delete all my social media accounts for 365 days and do a documentary about it, what it did with my brain. <laughs> and I'm still not over this idea because I love it so much, but I'm also not ready, you know? I'm also kind of in the trap because social media is so important for me. I'm a personal brand. I'm not connected to a big company or a big name. So for some reason, I also need this platform. And I need so many great people, right? And probably you have never met me without my social media and I would not be here. Yeah. I mean, if you follow the right people, it is also a great source of inspiration. Yes. And this is my this is my one and only permission to be on social media, to give back, right? And I feel that with my voice and with my ability to tell stories and empower other people, this gives me the permission to be on social media, but nothing else. Yeah, why did Bottega Veneta delete its social media accounts? I love it, to be honest. It's a good move. Yeah, it's a good move. I love it. It's really, really interesting. And I mean, what happens if you have a creative blog? Like, how do you still stimulate your mind? And what helps you to stay creative and to continue being authentic and putting your own juice into your content? <laughs> So I'm mostly not creative when I work too much. And that means if I am lacking ideas, I give myself a rest. And for instance, now I'm on a not planned Instagram post because I just don't feel it at the moment. And I'm not even feeling the pressure to go back next week. I know that it will probably be until the end of the month. So that will be three weeks more until I feel that I have something 
of value to share with the world. And I give myself the permission and I allow myself to not follow the mainstream and just do whatever feels right for me. For me, there are no performance rules on social media. I really don't give a shit. And sometimes my boyfriend even says, Laura, you have such a big audience on Instagram, but you just deleted your app for already three weeks. Why? Maybe you should be more active. And I was like, no, who, who tells me to do so? I only want to give you valuable content and not just content that you are happy that I post something. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think that's such an important thing. And I love to hear like in all our talk, the quality over quantity approach you're pursuing. Now, I'm uh, wondering how do you deal with the fact that especially social media channels are confronted with topics like misinformation and unrealistic expectations, fear of missing out, depression, and anxiety. I mean, we were already mentioning it quite sometimes uh, when we were talking about COVID prior to our recording. So how do you deal with all those social media criticism? regarding content creation yeah so before i put out content i am the first person that i need to convince that this content is all right that means i'm basically working like a journalist with my own content as well i'm always checking the sources so whenever there is someone who critics me i'm able to tell him the source and um, the person or maybe the the study or whatever that gives me the allowance to really share that number or yeah basically doing a good research before you put anything out in the world and if it's your own opinion then you also mark it as your own opinion and saying this in my eyes this is my feeling about it I'm not saying this is because it is like this right so when I say my feeling is that people are completely frustrated in the COVID times and Instagram is putting more pressure on them, then it's a feeling. But if I say people are really struggling with Instagram and blah, 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 then I say it's a fact, even though it's my own feeling. So always make sure that you distinguish between it's your own opinion and it's a fact and do your research. And, and also, even though Instagram, I use the example Instagram, um, has shorter captions, for instance, compared to an article or when I write a column, it's also a good idea to emphasize that there are two sides of the medal. So it's not only black and white. There are people who say this, there are people who say this, but in the end of the day, you draw a conclusion and it's important to listen to other people and not say your opinion is the one and only big deal and also when you get critics i mean talk to people who understand you even though sometimes critic can hurt and it also sometimes led to sleepless nights for myself but again i think Critics is not a negative thing. It's only challenging yourself and your own opinion. And this is very important. And I really encourage everyone to speak out loud what they think, because we live in a generation where we tend to become more and more silent and just repeat what the other people tell us. And this is also a great danger for democracy in my eyes. Okay, then coming to our last your toolbox so to say your 
favorite sources for inspiration. And you're very familiar with this concept because it is also one part of the Red Bull podcast you're hosting where we might have taken some inspiration from. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm especially curious now about your answers. So let's start. What is your current favorite book? My current favorite book. This is a good question because I don't want to come up with essentialism again. <laughs> um <laughs> My current favorite book, I mean, I was reading Live Like a Monk from Jay Shetty. I don't know yet if it's my favorite book, to be honest, but another great book is also Why We Sleep from Matthew Walker. <laughs> nice. I'm reading this one right now. <laughs> great. Now, we talked a lot about social media today. Who do you love to follow? Um, I have some people. For instance, Stephen Bartlett, as I said, he's really great. Um, Ray Dalio, also always a good choice. I include in social media different platforms. So Joe Rogan podcast is a must. I love it. Aubrey Marcos is also a must for me. Very cool guy. I also like Jay Shetty, uh, Lewis House. I mean, I've listened to them a lot already, so I'm currently more into um, also Sadhguru interviews. Um, yeah, I, I think I really love the US American spirit and also spiritual content a lot, spirituality and business. This is something I really, really seek at the moment. Okay, Dan, as a podcast host yourself, what is your current favorite podcast or podcast episode? Um, yeah, I think Aubrey Marcus is great. Oh, and uh, recently, my favorite one, I have it, um, it's the um, Joe Rogan experience with Kanye West. And it's almost two or three hours But I enjoyed every single minute. And I think this is one of the best podcast episodes I ever heard. And last one, which newsletter would you definitely recommend to subscribe to? I have actually a lot of newsletters at the moment. Um, I have Thrive Global. Um, this is the new startup from Ariana Huffington. More or less new. I like it but i think there are better ones let me just check my my inbox i'm mostly reading them immediately and then once i read them i delete them again well i mean i have the basics like handelsblatt or some finance id birds because i'm really trying to get into the finance um thing at the moment Okay, Dan, that's a wrap. Thanks, Laura, for joining us today, sharing your insights on self-branding and storytelling, but also your new idea on building the next generation leaders. Really curious to follow. And yeah, we loved having you on the show today. It was a pleasure. Hope to see you soon. Thank you guys so much. It was great fun really talking to you and you were doing a great work. I also liked the way you're podcasting. So thank you so much. And this today was already our second last episode of 
season one. Oh my God, time flies. So make sure to tune in in two weeks on Wednesday for the grand finale of season one. Looking forward to it. And as always, to not miss out on Laura's this time very special and curated toolbox, don't forget to follow the CDTM LinkedIn channel. See you in two weeks. 